This is episode 50 of the Steady Trade Podcast with your hosts, Tim Bowen. You know, in my opinion, really the golden age, and the golden age will come back. And Steven Johnson. I don't even have a pattern that I like. I can't even understand a pattern that works. Don't talk to us about what the market's doing. I can't even find a single pattern. <laughs> today, Tim and Steven talk strategy. The main topic today is kind of what times of day to target. And a little bit of U.S. history. Lots of times you're wrong in your facts, but I do like the <laughs> I've been to Boston. I've been you to Boston. said you're pretty <laughs> sure the Boston Tea Party happened in Boston. I, I do like the way kind of through, yeah. But all joking aside... When are the best times of day to trade? You know, I could watch the open. I could kind of see what was going on, but I would always focus on that late day. All that and more on today's episode. But first, let's dip into the listener mailbag. Today's question comes from Jamil in Quebec, who was recently featured on episode 47 of the Steady Trade podcast. And Jamil asks, hey, Stephen, have you read my book yet? Seriously, man, what gives? We have uh, Jamil from Quebec who asks, I recently wrote a book called The Complete Penny Stock Course. Learn how to generate profits consistently by trading penny stocks. Have you guys read it yet? If not, what's your problem? If so, what do you think about it? It's great, right? Right? I'm confident Stephen hasn't read it yet because there isn't an audio book format since I think he is functionally, functionally illiterate. I have read it and it's great. No, actually, no, I, I've got a, yeah, well, I would hope so. Have you looked at the back cover? I, I, I I'm on the back cover. So, um, no, no, great stuff. Um, you know, what I really, really like about it is, you know, Jamil is an engineer uh, and he has that engineer mindset. And the best thing I can say is it's, it's as close to a textbook uh, of penny stocking. You know, it is very well structured, steps you through, there's quizzes, there's worksheets. You know, it's a really well thought out approach to low price stocks, which as far as I know, <laughs> there's, there's never been anything like that in the penny stocking world. There's been plenty of books about it, but nobody took that more disciplined, well structured approach. I highly recommend it. Yeah, no, I think I think it's I think for me I, I got sent the PDF and I haven't opened it yet. But the reason for it is because from my understanding it's gonna be a big kind of overview of the whole kind of what the challenge was. I think what he's what he's done is he's put everything from the challenge into an academic textbook. Correct. Which is awesome, which is awesome. And it's it's like one millionth of the price of the challenge or something. Like well, crazy. and that's what you know what I, I, I think is crazy. Maybe. I'm, I'm guessing if, if you're a long time listener of steady trade, you know, I'm a big, I'm an avid reader. In in my opinion, I think the book is $25, $29. The value you get out of that. I mean, come on. If you get, I always say this about any book. If you get one idea out of a book that's 20 or $30, that that's an incredible value. And, and I think you'll get a lot more than one good idea out of this book. I say, if you're a new to intermediate trader, interested in low price stocks, it's, I mean, it's, it's a no brainer for 25 or $29 or whatever it costs. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Now you got to have the discipline to actually read it. Unlike Steven, but. Uh, I, what I found though, as well, was as I've, as I've learned stuff, sometimes I'm like, once you, you've just got to narrow your focus so much when you're learning, like just, 
like, because there's so many people telling you so many different things. Sometimes you're going to be like, nah, I'm not listening to any of it. I'm just going to focus on these three things over and over and over and over until I nail them. Yeah, I mean, I've got a presentation on my YouTube from one of one of Sykes' old penny stocking conferences from probably six years ago, where I gave an entire presentation about that. I it was t- I think it's titled "Ignore the Noise," and there comes a point where you reach a certain you know you need to take as much information from as many sources as possible in the beginning, yeah. but then there yeah. there's like this tipping point where you need to shut a lot of that off and just be you, you know, ideally your stocks to trade platform and your spreadsheets and, you know, shut off Twitter, shut off chat rooms and, and really focus. So you make a very good point there. Yeah, no, that's exactly where I was at. That's exactly, I mean, for me, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm like, I'm seeing these things and I just need to study them and explore them and learn them in greater detail on my own. I'm at that point where I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, flying like a bitch <laughs> but that's that's that tipping point i talk about because if uh, you're if you're i mean if you're totally new today listening to this podcast you know you've got to consider you know you've got to get a lot of information first so once you start getting to that point where you start f- feeling consistent that's when dial it back yeah shut off all the noise but but saying that though You've been taking week open right to greens for every episode of Sucks to Trade Pro I've ever seen. And I've never felt comfortable with it until I've just all of a sudden saw in the data that I've tracked, shit, this happens on these kind of stocks all the time. And I'm like, this is what Tim's doing all the time. But, but you need to learn that setup yourself. You need to get the idea from you and then find out the little intricacies of when it works and when it doesn't. For sure. Yep. Hey there, Steady Trade listeners. Want to know how guys like Tim Grittani and Tim Bowen followed in the footsteps of Tim Sykes, earning financial security by day trading penny stocks? Do you want to see if you have what it takes, even if your name isn't Tim? Then why not check out the Timothy Sykes Trading Challenge, where you can be personally mentored by these guys and other successful traders. If you're interested, and if you have what it takes, go to timothysykes.com and let them know that you want to work directly with Tim Sykes today. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. Uh, Back with my co-host, Stephen Johnson. Got a topic that I think is very applicable to a lot of, really everybody, but particularly our listeners, you know, those of you that are getting started in trading and the majority of you, now I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm, I'm confident based on the comments, the majority of you have other commitments, whether that be a job, whether that be school, you know, kids, maybe you're working second shift, you know, you're working afternoons, maybe, and you know, a big welcome to all of our international listeners as well, because we get a lot of comments from people saying they're in different con- countries, you know. Maybe you're in a different time zone and it's the middle of the night when the U.S. markets are open. So the, bin, the main topic today is kind of what times of day to target. Um, I was a part-time trader for six years. So I dealt with having a business, having a family, and trying to work learning trading and, and work being a consistently profitable trader into that routine. So I think, you know, this is something I get asked about a lot. Uh, You know, a lot of the comments, a lot of Twitter, 
is, hey, I got a job with a boss watching me. How can I trade? How can I learn how to trade? So that's our main topic for today, how to approach the day. And I think it comes in handy. You know, I'm in Eastern time zone, which is makes it nice because the markets are Eastern time zone. But Stephen is, you know, five hours ahead in Dubai. So he primarily focuses on the open. So I think that will be, you know, some good insight for a lot of you guys that are in other time zones as well. Uh, yes, Tim, and, and thank you so much for such a riveting precursor to, to, to today's episode. I think that that really, really set the scene. And, uh, and, I, and I'm really grateful for that. I think as we get more experienced in this podcast and as the influence grows, uh, so does our ability to communicate uh, fresh, new, innovative ideas and, and, and provide great precursors to them. So, so just great stuff. I take, it, I take it precursor was on your word of the day calendar. Or? <laughs> Actually, riveting was. It's <laughs> riveting. It's so riveting. I'm riveted, guys. I'm so freaking riveted. <laughs> riveted was. I just like to be astute with, with some of the language I use, and, and riveting was the top one. But yeah, I mean, the, the biggest hardest thing for American human people is that a lot of them cannot trade because they're at work when the markets are open. And the biggest blessing on being an expat trader is that you'll always find some window that you can trade at. And it doesn't really matter what the window is, if it's the start of the trading hours or if it's the end of the trading hours, it doesn't really matter. There's really opportunities for both. And as you'll see between you and I, uh, there's, there's a lot more than meets the eye other than the age and the expertise in trading. Uh, there's also the, we trade different times generally, or you trade a lot of the afternoons more than me. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest, and, and this really goes back to, you know, again, my history, I think maybe a lot of the listeners know, but I mean, I got started actively day trading 2007, 2008. I had a business at that point. So, you know, we had 20 employees, we were a service business. So really the busiest part of the day was kind of the morning because you're, you're getting all the jobs lined up, you're getting all the appointments lined up, you're getting everybody, getting the troops rallied for lack of a better term. So I had always been, you know, I could watch the open, I could kind of see what was going on, but I would always focus on that late day. And especially I talk about back in the day a lot, you know, we were looking at in that 2007 to 2012 window where, you know, in my opinion, really the golden age and the golden age will come back, but the golden age for late day fades. Um, so many of these stocks that we see now that spike into the close, it was the inverse back then. You could watch the big gainers early, make your watch list, write your plans, come back, see which ones of those were kind of fading into the close, short them if they had weak price action with fading volume and very consistently they would crack late day. So it's that late day, even though I'm way more bullish, way more inclined to go long now, that still that late day has always been, I guess, my sweet spot for lack of a better term. And yeah, and, and I mean, for me, it's, and for a lot of people, you, you've got to be very, very careful. And this is something that kind of happened to me recently. Uh, you, you've got to be careful when you balance too many things, because for, for, for a lot of people, if you're working an eight hour job, you don't, even if you can work eight hours at the market, you kind of, you kind of shouldn't. 
I mean, it's good to get as much experience as you can and to do it every now and then. But if you do like 16 hours, if you try and force to do 15, 16, 17 hours, you'll either be tired and you'll make a mistake or you'll feel like you're going to get burnt out and you'll just do stuff because you'll force stuff just to think that you should be doing stuff. Yeah, I think that's a huge, I mean, a great point. I mean, a, a mistake so many make is you sit there, if you sit there from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., you're like, geez, I've been here for nine hours. I ain't half to make a trade or I wasted my time. And that gets many, many, many in trouble because, you know, we, and we talk about it a lot. It's like often in trading, trying too hard, like, you know, I have to make a trade will get you in trouble more times than not. And it's, and it's also like, I mean, say for example, we were England and it was back in the, I mean, what kind of era could this have been? Like, say the, the 18, when was the, when was the American Revolution? Like the 1800s or something? 1780? Uh, well, 1776 is when we declared independence from you, so from for, you terrible, <laughs> terrible, <laughs> oppressive people. So. <laughs> so say it's 1776 and, and, and. I'm the English on the on one side of the river in Boston, where I think the the the, the, the famous Boston Tea Party Revolution happened, and you're on the other side I, of the. You know, I, you, lots of times you're wrong in your facts, but I do like the <laughs> I've way been you to Boston. Said, I've been you to Boston. said you're pretty sure the Boston Tea Party happened in Boston. I, I do like the way you thought through. Yeah, yeah. I just I just want to. I just as a riveting precursor. I I just I don't want to. I don't want to make the mistake that the Boston Tea Party wasn't in Boston in case it was somewhere else. I mean, it could have been in Texas. <laughs> and then it was the Boston Tea Party, 595. <laughs> I'm so bad. That was so bad. But um, say, for example, it's the Boston Tea Party. And we, the English, are like, we've been on guard for nine hours and I'm really tired. I'm really feeling a bit tired. I've been on guard for nine hours. But you Americans are like, you've just woke up. You're super fresh and you storm it. Now we're going to get ran down because we're tired in when a dangerous situation hits us, we're already tired, so we're more liable to make more mistakes. Now, that's a long-winded analogy for basically saying that if you wait all day or you're tired or you've been working and then you trade for six hours, once you make the mistake, you're more likely to let that mistake go out of control and let that mistake go worse and worse and worse because you, you haven't got your A game on. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, and I, I do, I've done a lot of webinars, a lot of the videos, like on my own YouTube channel, my own blog and stuff. I mean, I haven't updated it in forever, but you know, I talk about that kind of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, that the on it total human optimization type idea. I mean, rest, exercise, nutrition. I mean, trading is very, very stressful, just like your, your military analogy there. And I mean, if you're tired and you're overworked and, and you're, you're, not all there. Next thing you know, you know, you, you, you make a mistake and, and, and that happens in trading a lot. And, and that's why, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go into the daily routine that I followed as a, as a part-time trader. And then we'll kind of go into what, how you approach the day. But um, so what I did, and, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, but for years and years, I was up at five in the morning because I was always, you know, I had kids. I was always kind of in bed early but you can do this the night before. I mean, if you're more of a night owl. Now, I've always preferred the early morning hours because you get that late. A lot of the news will come out, not very often, but you know, you'll get the futures markets that react to foreign markets and stuff like that. So I would always like to be up early and start reading the news, looking at the top gainers from the day before. I mean, that's something we talk about back in season one. 
As a new trader, you're looking at the top gainers every day. That's where you start. And then what it, the nice part about that early morning hours, everybody's asleep. You know, markets aren't trading. There's not a bunch going on. You can spend that time. You can, you know, I used to print out articles, highlight them, mark them up, break them down, and then start deciding if I, if I wanted to trade that stock today. Now, again, going back to those days, I was 99% a short seller. So I was looking for that dubious news, you know, sketchy press releases, vague terms. You know, we, we talk about, you know, contract wins with no numbers or unnamed parties and stuff like that. So I would start looking at those stocks to potentially short them. I'd print out the chart. I'd make out key resistance levels because I wanted to see those stocks spike into the resistance and fail. I'd make my plan. I'd write on that chart the, the, the area I wanted to short, my stop, and then I would basically go up about my day, come back, 1.30, 2 p.m., get out those sheets and start looking for the stocks that I had identified as potential shorts that were fading into the close. Some days it was none of them. Some days it was five of them. Some days it was one or two, but I would pick the one ideally that I liked the most. I, I, I don't recommend as a new trader make, taking more than one momentum day trade position at a time, but that was what worked for me. And to me, even though it's short bias, it's the same process today. If you're, you've got that job where you got to be there at eight, you got to be there at nine, get up early, do your research, right on those charts, man. I love doing it by hand. And then whether you're, if you're still at work at two o'clock, duck into the closet, you know, check your smartphone and look for those trades that are hitting your level. And that I think is the best approach as a new, newer trader. Yeah, and, and I think one interesting kind of point is, is that you kind of talked about was you, it depends on what market it is. And if it's a very kind of low volume, slightly bearish market, you have to be up earlier. You're going to kind of miss the opportunities because in, in a, as a short seller in a slightly low volume, more bearish market, these stocks, when they spike pre-market at six o'clock in the morning, they're, they're not coming back. They're not coming back often. So you need to wait, wait for it to look like the backside. And, and I, was, I was making good money just waiting for the spike to look like it was on the backside, wait for a head and shoulders pattern, wait for a lower high. And you just take the lower high risk and off the high of the day. And this is an extremely risky strategy in, across the board, across the year, and it's never going to work long term. But in a specific market, it will work over and over and over again. And then you can take some of your profits and then short the high of day spike at the open. Nine times out of 10, it's going to fail. You can cut it out over high of day. And you can make some good money doing that. So in a, in a more bearish, low-volume market, you have to be up at six or you're not going to have any shorts because it's kind of the, the early bird catches the worm. But then for me, in a bullish market, in the, bullish, in the market that we've just seen, it is almost better to not even be there until half nine, 10 o'clock because by the, time you've, by the time it's 10 a.m. and then you read the news, you digest it, you look at what's running, you do your research, you look into the filings. By the time 10.30 hits, that might potentially be good shorts and you've missed the danger hour of them parabolic and, and Holtman and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's a great point is, you know, recognize seasonality and recognize how things change. And, you know, one of the reasons we, you know, in stocks to trade pro, we watch the SPY, we watch the QQQ, we watch the Dow, you know, that get, we don't, well, 
very, very infrequently will we play, trade S&P futures. But, you know, we're mainly just watching that to get a sentiment of what the market is doing. And, I mean, if you're gapping down hard, then you can start saying, oh, okay, hey, where's the morning spikers? I want to short these. Market's gapping up hard. You're like, whoa, back off. Wait till midday, late day. But, and, that, and that's one thing that so many people don't realize. And it's like, for some reason, you don't get it until after you've traded more than a year for most people. Yeah, and, and, and I'm going to interrupt you, but I, I know where you're headed. And that, that's, that's why I think this goes back to why we call this steady trade is, I mean, you, you have to see this seasonality play through. I mean, if you think you're like, yeah. I've traded one month and I know it all, huh, good luck. So go ahead, go ahead and finish. But, but that's the whole, that's the whole thing though. You'll, you'll get a lot of traders and especially in six months, eight months, 10 months of learning. And they're like, I don't even, I don't even have a pattern that I like. I can't even understand a pattern that works. Don't talk to us about what the market's doing. I can't even find a single pattern. <laughs> so, it, so it's like stages of progress. And the way I would categorize it is you think that you're going to nail trading and then you see the market and freeze and think, shit, I don't have a clue what's going on. And then you start to kind of see patterns and then you'll find one pattern that just works for you. And it's probably because you've lost on it consistently that you play it the other way. So maybe you're trying to short morning spikers and then you think, the next time I see a clean chart with high volume on a low float, not short and I'm just going to go long. Or, <laughs> or, the ne- or the next time uh, you see a lot of stocks when they've gap filled, once they do gap filled, you think, oh, I might take a short if it's low volume on that day because it looks like it's run out of steam. Like generally, you'll, you'll probably play it wrong and you'll do the opposite. But once you've got one pattern down and then maybe you've got a second pattern down, then stuff with the market starts clicking and you start thinking, the patterns don't work anymore. And I think this is how you find out the market sentiment. You think, me patterns don't work anymore. Why don't they work anymore? Why are they running more than they did before? Why aren't they not running as much as they did before? And slowly, 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 you, you, you tweak on to how the market's changing. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like that. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's like you see all of those like learning or, or success charts where it's like people think the chart is, you know, success chart is linear from, you know, lower left to upper right. And then, then they got like the scribble, you know, I think learning trading is, is a lot like a volatile stock chart. I mean, it's like you nail a couple trades your first month, you're up here, then you get crushed, then you're down here. But you know, the idea is keep learning, keep documenting. And while that chart's going to be jagged, you know, try and keep, you know, progressing to the upper right. And that's how, that's why we talk about journaling. That's why we talk about tracking your trades. And like you said, recognize, you know, don't have that tunnel vision. Be like, Hey, I've been shortened. You know, every time I saw some junky biotech up 40% spiking into resistance, I'd short it and it was working three out of four times. But now it's not working at all. And you need to be able to get that experience to recognize, wait, this isn't working anymore. Maybe, yeah. maybe I look to buy them, you know, or vice versa. So. But, but whatever you do, don't get angry that and feel unlucky that it didn't work and go even harder the next time. But it's just whatever you do, don't do that. Because that's when you're really screwed. Like, and that, that's, I mean, you should never fight a trend, but more importantly, you should definitely never fight a market. And, uh, and, I, and I really learned that the hard way. And, and it's, it's funny because the thing with me was, I mean, I could arguably say I'm the best trader I've ever been right now because I've got more knowledge than I've ever had before and I've learned more lessons than I've ever had before. But my confidence is probably one of the lowest it's ever been. Not that anything more terrible has happened recently. It's just, it takes once, 
once you hit a bad stage, it's going to take time to rebuild. And I'm not losing anymore, but it's going to take time to rebuild. But it's amazing, though, how I can be even better than I've ever been before, but have such low confidence when you think of four months ago, I knew less, but I thought I was on top of the world and I was going to make it. And that's the example of the, the emotional waves that you can go through. And you're actually, you are, you are steadily increasing, but you can't, you can't think you're going to have success too fast. You can't expect success too fast. It's just not the way it is. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast a few times, but it's uh, one, of, one of its, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. You know, look that up. It's like many, many traders get there where they think, you know, one month in, they're like, man, I know everything. And then you get humbled real quick. But I think it happens to everybody. The biggest thing is, like you said, when you hit that rough patch, don't start doubling down. Don't start increasing your positions. Yeah. Recognize and, and do the exact opposite. When you hit that bad patch, scale back and, and, and trade smaller until you start recognizing something that's starting to work again. Yeah, and I, and I think the, 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 one, the one big thing that I really learned as well is, is never put too much pressure on yourself to succeed. Like, you'll succeed when you succeed. When it works, it'll work. If the universe thinks that, you, when, the, when the universe, ah, man, I wish I'd said that, <laughs> that out the first time. When the universe thinks that you deserve it, the world will serve it, ultimately. Ultimately, and, and a lot of that the time, would have been, I mean, you know, you know that I, I like the rhyme. He will edit it. He will edit it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I like it, but man, you just completely botched it, you know. So yeah, really, and you probably stayed up all night practicing that, didn't you? I wrote it like a hundred times on a word document. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, I was like, the podcast is tomorrow. I, I need, I need to have a killer line. Do you know what I mean? Like, I need to have a killer line for the podcast because. I need, I need to keep me stature and reputation up. And, and this line is, this line is the, this is the pump.com. And then you were, you were, you were, in, you were, it was like football. You were, you broke away from the defense. Felt too stressed. You were wide open and the ball just went through your hands. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it this morning. And, uh, and then I, I thought I should have known about that because I was feeling a little bit queasy and I threw up this morning. <laughs> threw up this morning thinking, what if I don't say it right? <laughs> and I ended up being sick everywhere. And then, and then the pressure just built up too much, and I started feeling dizzy, and it didn't come out. So that's that's a real disappointment. <laughs> so, so what what I want to know is, you know, and, and we've I don't think we've ever really talked about this. So I kind of gave a quick snapshot of my day back when I was a part time trader. Now, I how you're do you talk about my ex girlfriend? No, 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 no. When you're saying, I don't think we've ever talked about this. I thought <laughs> we're, we're going to get into how things failed with that. <laughs> I was like, you, you want to talk about that on the podcast? I, I, I don't think you're going to bring it up right now. There's probably nothing I care less about than that. So anyway, give me, what, what's like a snapshot of your day? So how do you, because, you know, obviously like you're working and then are you trading at work or, I mean, we won't tell your boss, but I mean, is, is, is the market open after you're done? Like, like how do you, what's your daily routine? So, uh, I mean, normally, normally I'll wake up uh, on a wet bed that I've urinated in a bottle of rum by the side of the drawer, open, spilt onto the floor. And I'll just think I've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you say, I'm never doing this again. I've done it again. How did, how did it happen again? I've done it again. And then there's like a tiger in the cupboard and a naked girl on the floor. And I'm like, oh, got to stop this. Someone's going to find out. <laughs> no, no. Uh, generally, me, <laughs> me day starts with um, 
I mean, I, I'm generally, I'll, I'll be at work. I've been much more flexible recently. I mean, recently, uh, there's been so many pitches in the advertising industry that I've been working kind of night or six, night or seven, night or eight at work, and the market opens here at half five. So okay. this entire week, I've, I've missed because um, just, if I've no, but, any, I mean, I mean, kind of back to when, I mean, we don't need to talk but, about this week, like kind of back usually, when, yeah, yeah, normal schedule. Uh, but usually, um, I mean, I used to, when I was working more full-time, I would like sneak socks to trade on. I would sneak it on. I'd be a little naughty, a little naughty boy. I, I would, be, I'd like look for the corner in the office because obviously if you've got people behind you, they can see. So I'd look for the corner and I'd like put up stocks to trade and like, and whenever I had money in a trade, I would just pray that no one has to go into a meeting. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd just pray that no one has to go into a meeting call. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would always, I would, the market opens half five, yeah? So I, I would kind of put up uh, stocks to trade when the, when just at work. I would look at the top 3% gainers uh, and I would just look at the history. I'd say, have these stocks failed before? Uh, do they have, over res- have overhead resistance? Do they have, are they already trading pre-market uh, too much volume? That's going to be an indicator that they could break through that resistance level. And then after that, I'd say, is the news bullshit or not? Uh, is it legit or is it like we've got this big name dealer in a, uh, but we're not going to say who they are. It's an industry leader, but we're not going to say it. And then, then I generally look at the filings and see, or, and I just say, have the other company that needs money or have the made money. And depending on the market, if the market's bullish, then I, I would I'd not touch it and I'd run home. I'd finish work at six, run home, pray that it was still, uh, hadn't come down yet. <laughs> and then I'd look for an entry to short a lower, higher, a head and shoulders pattern. And on a bullish market, I would take the trade there and then. If the, if, sorry, if the market's more bearish, I would just slowly average in. This was in the days when I was a bit more risky. I'd just be firing in very small positions to catch the top because you know that the market's bearish, the news is rubbish, the company needs money, it's got a history of feeling. There's so many bearish indicators that and it's, if the volume's not high, it's just not going to run. So I'm just going to build into the top. So you, most days, you were probably done like what, 10, 30, 11 Eastern roughly? Always. 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 Okay. I mean, when I, when I was running well, I, I, would, I, would, I would take – Three hundred, four hundred dollars in the first five minutes of the day, and then I'd be done. Nice. Okay. Have a, yep. have, have, a have a few beers, go out on a night out, meet some friends, and then you uh, and then you, the and then you loop you loop back to the empty bottle of soaked <laughs> mattress, uh, and then I just do it all over and over and over again. <laughs> but but no, like my my trading schedule is always uh, Eastern time. It's always seven thirty till nine nine forty. In yeah. a bearish market, it's it's seven thirty till ten. In a bullish market, it's like 8.30 to 11. That's okay. it. Never, never see the afternoon, never see past 11. I'm also on the podcast with you uh, after that. So, so I think that's a, you know, that's a... I'm averaging up on a loser. <laughs> well, that's, the only, that's the only time I trade after 11. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a valuable lesson. Notice what he said. <laughs> I think I kind of talked over him, but he's like, the only time he trades past the morning is when he's in a losing position and adding to a losing position. <laughs> and I'm sitting until the market closed. Please, please come down, please come down, please come down, please come down. <laughs> so I think there's a, that's a, that's, and that's a great point I wanted to get at. So Stephen and I are trading, lots of times we're trading the same stocks and we're trading the most volatile stocks and he's doing it early in the morning. I'm looking to do it late. The point is, those are the times of day you want to target try and avoid the midday low. I don't care what market it is, that 10 to 130 window, that's when you bust ass at work. So my, again, back to when I was part-time, I would try and watch the morning 
you know, I would try and keep track of the stocks that were moving. Sometimes I would trade. And then at 10 o'clock, man, I shut that laptop and I humped it. I got after it. Okay. If I would, if I had 50 emails and 10 calls to make, bam, 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 you work your ass off through the midday and then you're back late day. So really focus on early and late and avoid the midday lull. Do your research early in the morning, do your research at late at night, but whatever you can do to kind of work your schedule, maybe even tell your boss, Hey boss, give me an hour from nine to 10 and an hour from, you know, two thirty to three thirty. And man, I promise I will bust ass outside that window. But those are the times in these volatile stocks that you want to target. No, and like, and I totally believe like when you're learning how to trade and when you're in the first 12 to 18 months, it, it's, it's so difficult to get your head around anything anyway that it's so much easier and it's so much better and more efficient to just master one time period. So just mm-hmm. master the first hour of the day, master the last hour of the day. Look for patterns that happen at the end of the day or the start of the day. So if you've only got the first hour of the day, think are stocks spiking right now and if they are i'm going to look for a a low float high volume stock with a reasonably good catalyst i'm going to try and get these spikes and then you need a little strategy within that to think i'm going to buy the the dip or the first green candle after the red candle to make a new high or whatever whatever it is but then if you're trading or if it's a bearish market thing i'm going to short any pre-market high rejection and that's that's the trade i'm going to trade half an hour a day and i'm going to master this Mm -hmm. and then if you're trading at the very end of the day just think well I'm going to look at for overextended stocks that have broke down in the afternoon to shorten. Maybe I'll hold them over. If it's a bullish market, think, well, I'm going to look for a stock on its first green day with big volume and a low float. I mean, you you can easily um, adopt a strategy and just do one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I think always, always, always less is more for sure. And and that's the paradox. I mean, you are saying that trading is, is very stressful and it's, it's such a paradox because it shouldn't be, but it is because trading at, like, I just don't get it. Like, I mean, like, obviously I've been struggling recently and I don't get it. I'm like, it's the most simple thing in the world. Once you know what you're doing, it's so simple, like trade really small, uh, especially in a bullish market. It's like trading quarters until you really feel like it's the backside and, and then average in. How can I not do it? I feel like a moron that I can't do it. Um, my last trade was Pixie. It was first green day, high volume earnings win, and I shorted a pre-market. And then I just thought, no, Stephen, you're done. I took a hundred dollar last time. I'm like, I'm, you're doing mental stuff. You're doing mental stuff. Just stop. Yeah, I tell you, it's, it is. It is truly the old. It, it, but but ultimately, we're humans, and that's where the emotions come in, and that's where the breakdowns and discipline come in. And but the beauty of it is, I mean, the reason these stocks run, the reason they spike so much and they drop so fast is because of animal spirits, because of human emotion. So that is, I mean, you are your own worst enemy. I mean, I, I, I've stole this saying, but I mean, the only thing you can control in the market is how much you lose. Other than that, you enter your setup, you watch for patterns, and you can't control how much you make, but you can control how much you lose. And that's your number one job as a trader is sticking to that plan, sticking to that stop loss. And, and it's funny, and, and that's the thing, like the most poetic, beautiful thing about the stock market is it's people's rawest emotions playing out live in front of you. And when you see a stock going absolutely bananas, this is humans behaving like maniacs. <laughs> it's short, 
being so mental that they're just not covering until it's, until it's too late. And it's lungs being absolute maniacs chasing, 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 just hoping that it's going to go higher. Mm-hmm. It, it, is, it is insane to see it run, play live when, when, you, when you understand it more. Yeah, and I think that's, again, that's the importance of having that long-term mindset. You have to see this stuff happen over and over again to get better at saying, okay, this stock's up 300%. I'm not going to buy it at the top. I'm going to wait for it to pull, consolidate, and then rebreak. Or just like, you know, you're short bearish. I'm not going to, when this thing's making new highs, I'm not going to pile in short. I'm going to let this thing settle off start to pull. Now it may re-rip on you and that's where you stop out, but you need to at least let the thing at least for a couple minutes. I mean, I prefer longer, but at least let it set a top, then enter. And then that reclaim of the high is your stop. I mean, that's kind of your strategy. But if you're like, if, I mean, if this thing's on one minute candles and just making new highs, making new highs, I mean, you're, you're never going to, you might win sometimes, but you're never going to be consistent trying to do that. Yeah, and I mean, and I did I did pretty well with my strategy. It's just when the market gets too bullish, uh, I, you just get wiped out. And <laughs> once you do, though, I mean, it's just a fact. When the market gets too bullish, and I'm not the only one who gets wiped out, all the other shorts get wiped out as well. <laughs> but and and that's the that's the real lesson. If I can come around that, then I'm sure I'll be fine. But it's recognizing the change in the market is so paramount. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and that's where your tracking comes in. That's where your journaling comes in. And that's where you review at the end of the day. And that's, that's, that's what's, you know, back to back when I was part-time trader, once the end of the day came, one of the biggest reasons I scribbled on all those charts, I had three ring binders, tons of binders. I didn't have uh, binders full of women like Mitt Romney does, but I did have binders full of charts and, you know, I would review those. And even if you couldn't trade, because maybe you got hung up at work, maybe you had to go pick the kids up, review what you were thinking and see if they were working, then tomorrow reattack. But don't just throw your charts away. Don't throw your plans away just because you couldn't trade. No, and I mean, and I'm just going back to the kind of the market sentiment as well, if, if you think, well, how do I recognize market sentiment? Think, well, if in general stocks are gapping up 30%, and the spike into forty percent, and then they're failing. Then the likelihood is, in general, they're going to gap up thirty percent the next day and spike to forty percent. If as long as there's no anomaly or some crazy news or something like that. If we're in a market where they're gapping up to eighty percent and running to three hundred percent, you can probably guess the next day it's probably going to gap up to eighty percent and run to three hundred percent. So don't try and short a stock up fifty percent pre-market at seven o'clock because it might run three hundred percent on the day. <laughs> like, and 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 this is the stupid stuff that I didn't realize. Unfortunately, unfortunately, because I know it now. But uh, these are very important things. These are very important lessons. And I think what will happen is people will hear this now and then they'll probably take some losses and I'll be the angel in someone's ear. We had an analogy. But it's true though, do you know what I mean? Because with you on Stocks That Trade Pro, uh, there were so many things that you told us and then I made the same mistakes. And I'm like, that's, that's what Tim's talking about. That's <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know you... You know, I think back to the podcast and, you know, it was like, we, you know, we, we'd talk about stuff and then you'd be like, yeah, you did say that. And again, I'm not trying to say I'm somehow all knowing. I've just been around the block. I mean, 10 years, I've, I've seen a lot. I haven't seen it all. Nobody's seen it all. But I mean, these things kind of repeat. You see the same trends over and over again. 
how do you how do you find that you keep your discipline in check for so long for so do you, do you still feel waivers in your discipline well i mean hey man i still screw up as much as anybody i mean that you know the biggest thing is you know trading i talk about this all the time i mean it's about mistakes i mean nobody's perfect it's like i use the analogy all the time of of the best hitter in baseball gets a hit three out of ten times i mean but basically where the experience comes in is you're like wait I've been here before, you know, I've, yeah. I've seen this before I'm getting bullheaded here. The, the charts telling me this stock is doing this and I'm hoping it's doing that. And that comes with time. And that's where you're like, God damn it, Tim, you've done this before get out. And I think that's where 10 years of experience comes in handy. And if you've been in it for a month or two months or a year, you don't necessarily, you, you haven't been there before. You can't say, damn it, Tim, you've done this before because you haven't done it before. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I think everyone goes through bad runs as well. And, and what I'd like you to say here is, is, do you know when you have a girlfriend and you just love the girl and she's got like the best blonde, I'm describing my first girlfriend here. She had beautiful long hair, blonde curly hair. She was the most pretty girl in school. She was the most popular girl in school. In certain times in school, I was a bit of a loser and it was like that Romeo, it was that, that perfect time where the guy who was never going to get the beautiful girl got the beautiful girl. And I like fell in love and were kissed listening to like you two in the, in the mean redness and Migra, like stuff like this happened. And like, well, it used to kiss all night till two o'clock in the morning when we're 18 years old, like electrical storm, you two, like put the back seats down, nothing too bad happened, but we did what 18 year olds do. Do you know what I mean? And I was in love. I was, I was deeply, deeply, deeply in love. She was called Jody and God, I miss her. Right. But and I used to call that Jody Pody and she used to call it Stephen Weaving. But the point is, right? <laughs> but when I broke up with her, I used to call that Jody Pody putting in pie. But when, <laughs> but when I broke up with her, right, it was, it was the worst time imaginable. I was devastated. But then the next relationship I had, I got over it a bit faster. And I'd like to make that comparison to trading. When you go through a bad run, you, when it happens the first time, it's so difficult to find a way of getting out of it, but you find the way eventually. And I'd like to think that the next time you go through a bad run, you think, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to be the mug again. I'm not going to be the mug again. I'm not, Stephen, you're better than this. I'm not going to let this happen to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like- no, I, th- I think, you know, again, as much as I like to, as much as I like to give you a hard time, I think it's a great analogy because I mean, we've all been there. I mean, I, I hate to get all like, emotional relationship advice here. But I mean, I, I remember when I broke up with my first girlfriend, I mean, I was like 15. How, I, I, was, I thought it was the end, end of the world. You know, it's like, how, how bad you, did you feel? Terrible. I mean, it was like, you literally thought, you know, you had like suicidal thoughts and it's like, you know, it's like, well, but what, what did you do when you had the suicidal thoughts? Like how can you kind of take this back to the moment of how it happened and what you felt? when your ex-girlfriend broke up with and you felt suicidal? I mean... Just like, like, how bad was it? Like, tell us the raw details of the terribleness of how you felt. So, you know, again, like, literally had, like, suicidal thoughts. Now, I never, like, took the next step, but it was like, you know, you're sitting there, you're 15, and you're like, man, I think the world is going to end here. I cried. But like, I hate to admit, like I cried. But, like, how I'm, suicidal or, like, like, I want you to describe the pinto. as like, how bad was it? Well, if you'd shut up, I was trying to. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> no, like, how bad, I want to know how bad it was. Like, tell us how terrible it was. I want to know the exact terribleness of how bad you felt. I would say it was like a level 11 out of 10 on the terrible scale. 
So, I mean, but it was like really bad. And you think, you think I'm never, ever going to get over this. And I think that's like that with trading because, you know, then you get the, the next relationship and you're like, oh, geez, why was I, why was I in such a terrible state for weeks? Why was I bawling my eyes out? It wasn't that big of a deal, you know? And then as you have more relationships, you're right. You know, it, it, it kind of, you get over it and you realize that, okay, again, I've been here before. I recognize this and it's not that big of a deal. Does it, does it still feel bad now when you come back and think about it? No. I, when, I, you, when you recount these stories, you ever feel like you're that young guy again who felt inadequate and bad? I'm, and, I'm, like, I'm old, jaded, mean. Do you think you're aggressive and mean now because of the pain that you went through when you were younger? I think I'm aggressive and mean now because I have to do a goddamn <laughs> podcast with you once a week. I think that's why I'm aggressive and mean. When I'm in the weight room and I'm doing deadlifts, <laughs> I've, got a, I've actually got a mural of you on the other side of my weight room, and I just yell at it, <laughs> at it as I'm doing deadlifts. <laughs> it wasn't that funny. Okay. <laughs> I guess it's time to end this podcast. So you're like, uh, you're like, I'm not having any bread because I hate me ex-girlfriend. No bread. No, no bread. it's not the ex-girlfriend. No it's bread. you. Remember, remember, it's not no the bread. ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I'm not eating bread because I'm not good enough. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so I, I, you know, actually, you, you, you like to pick on me about this bread thing a lot. I, I kind of, you know, where, you know, it's like I, I feel like you need to expand your comedy. Re- uh, inventory. Repository. 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 There we go. Repository. Yes, yes. So I feel like you need to work on your, 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 your put downs, you know, your material. You need to expand it because anytime I pick, you always go back to the bread thing. So I, I wonder, maybe you could, maybe you could pursue something to expand your, you know, level of, of put downs or, or, or material. I've been thinking actually, I mean, no matter, no matter what, uh, I need to put this trading knowledge to good use. And in the unlikely or likely event that I fail in the shape of trading or scope of trading, I need to put the knowledge into good use because I'm like, I'm like a, a dusty dictionary that will never be picked up. I have all of the knowledge, but none of it's going to get put to good use if I keep on messing up. I'm going to be a dusty, I'm going to be a dusty trading dictionary book. Nobody reads. <laughs> That's what I'm going to become if I don't sort me discipline out. I'm going to be the backseat of the library. So for me not to be a dusty trading book in the back shelf of a library, then I need to think, well, how else can I, how else can I, how else can I put this shit to good use? Do you know what I mean? Right, right. And I so, thought about so some trading comedy. It sounds, it sounds like you, you said you've been thinking. sounds like you have an idea here. Yeah, so I just I just want to precast this by saying I think this has been one of the funnier episodes. What do you think? I do you think it's been fucking dry? Uh, I mean, your jokes weren't any good, but I think it was it was a good podcast. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's relatively good. I think we covered the markets. I think uh, I think we did some good chisel. I think it's a good shebang. But I've been thinking about doing. I've, I've been as well as being the first trader in the world to document his entire journey on YouTube. 
I've also been thinking about being the first comedic trading podcaster. Because I'm just doing world firsts every day. Because yeah. that's who I am, Tim. I'm a freaking trendsetter. So, I am a so, so the, This is a very niche market, but so, so your thought is, so, I mean, a, a lot so of niche, comedians, There's only one person in it. Right, right. There you go. So, so a lot of, it is. It, it's I'm funny. Close. We were talking about the relationships and stuff. So, I mean, a lot of comedians, I mean, a lot of their material is based on relationship, you know, kids, wife, girlfriends, whatever. So your idea is to now take the pain of trading and turn it into comedic material. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So do you have any jokes written? No, but, but I'm, <laughs> no, I love, I, okay. So I, I love I got any. that you've got, got any this jokes. idea, you know, <laughs> you, you've got, you've, you've thought about it hard, but you've done taken none of the steps to actually implement it. No, I mean, it's typical, it's typical me. I'm, I'm just going, in, I'm going, I'm going, in, I'm just going into the market without a plan. <laughs> Or you're that's, going that's into almost, <laughs> you're going into your comedic career with no plan either, <laughs> and it will dive just like the stock. <laughs> it will dive. No, no, I've got one. I've got one. I've got a one. All right, I'm ready. Have I got one? I don't think I have got one. <laughs> I can do, I can only do like sexual innuendos. Maybe. Have you got any water? I've got a good idea. Have you got some water? I, You've always got water. Well. No, it's not. My get, get some water. Get I some get water. Coffee. Okay, Phil, what you've got to do, this is the game. You've got to fill your mouth full with coffee to the brim, and I've got to tell a joke to make you laugh. And if, and if I make you laugh and spit the coffee out, I win, right? Okay. This and is if you, bet. <laughs> if you can hold it in without laughing, <laughs> then you win, right? Okay. So yep. I've, got, right. I've, got, I've got, th- and this is totally off the cuff, but your mouth has got to be full. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. And you spit it out on your shit. And you How long is this joke? I can't. I probably can't hold a mouthful for like five minutes. Now you've got you've got one minute. So okay. I'm looking at the timer. So the producer can time it. So it's forty three twenty this episode now. So go and I've got a minute to make you laugh. All right. Fill it up the top. Fall, fall, no, fall, poison. Okay. Oh, look at that big spiker! <laughs> Hi, this is Aaron, a.k.a. Double A Ron, from New York City, and I like to go outside and find a stray dog, preferably an aggressive breed like a pit bull or a Rottweiler. Then I get real close, stare it down eye to eye until it starts to chase me. Then I run. That's right, I run while listening to Stephen and Tim on the Steady Trade Podcast. You can register to win real, actual prizes at their website, SteadyTrade.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a glowing review on iTunes. I did, and this is how we say goodbye in New York City. (laughs) 